Hey everyone, my name is JP Price. This is the first episode of my podcast, The Price Is I. What I want to go over today is an introduction of me, why I'm talking to you, what my mission is, and what I want to accomplish in my episodes here. Um, I plan to release these hopefully weekly. Uh, I'll probably start out bi weekly. As it hopefully grows, then I'd like to do that more. Uh, I'd like to be able to have some guests on here. I've got some really cool friends here locally, on our team, in our gym. And then also all over the world in powerlifting that I'd love to be able to expose you guys to and hopefully that you'd want to hear from too. So for starters, again, I'm JP. I'm from Topeka, Kansas. I live in Kansas City, Missouri. I work at a gym called uh, Olympic Gym Kansas City. We've got a small section of that gym, 6,000 square feet, that's a strong barbell club. I manage that area. I coach. I train people. I do programming. I host meets there. Um, there's a lot that we do back there. So We have a lot of fun with that. It's a great atmosphere. The lifting atmosphere is off the charts. We've got a lot of great lifters there from experienced all the way to beginners, um, a huge spectrum of them in different sports from Olympic lifting to strongman to powerlifting. And so I'll talk about that quite a bit. Um, I'll talk about the team quite a bit and hosting meets and uh, and all those things. And as far as my numbers go, my best numbers are a 1,003-pound raw squat with wraps at the uh, U.S. Open two years ago. Um, my best squat without wraps is 960, my best bench is 639, my best deadlift is 765, and my best total with wraps, or without actually, is the exact same, it's uh, 2364. So I've got one of the top 15 totals of all time in super heavyweight, and I think regardless of weight class, and, uh, and really my mission here on this podcast is to spread good news about powerlifting, about strength sports, or even just things in general. I'm a dad, I've got two kids, Jack and Jay. I'm a husband. I've got a wife named Jenna. Yes, all our names start with J. I'm well aware of that. Um, Sometimes we do things based on what sounds good and convenience. You know, J names work great. My parents are John and Jan, so I'm following a little bit of a trend. Um, So I'll talk a little bit about that. I talk about anything that people tend to want to talk about. Um, If you guys send me topics, I'll get into them. Um, I'm really a pretty open book. Um, I keep my podcast things that are... uh, definitely legal to talk about, um, and I really want it to be something that's positive. I'm a positive guy, and I like positive people around me, and uh, so I hope this is an outlet for me to be positive, and hopefully for people to, to catch some of that, and then shoot it right back at me, because uh, that's just how I feel things work the best, and, and the best relationships are built. Um, so that's what you should expect from me. Uh, my background, again, I'm from Topeka. I moved to Kansas City about 10 years ago when uh, my wife and I got married. And here in Kansas City, I worked in sales for uh, seven years. And when I worked in sales, I traveled a bit to local high schools and worked with sports teams. And uh, I was traveling a lot, and I was away from home a lot in the evening. And that ultimately was not the best fit for me. Um, you know, at one point, I was talking to my five-year-old son, Jack. He was five at the time. He's six now. And uh, he was drawing a picture of me, and uh, I said, oh, you're drawing a picture of me, that's cool. I said, what are you drawing a picture of me for? And he said, well, because I don't see you very often, and if I draw a picture of you, I can see you all the time. And uh, that really broke my heart, and, uh, and it wasn't that I was being a bad dad or anything like that. I could have made it work, but I wasn't that good at it. So I decided to make a change and, and approach the gym that I'd worked out at for six years, and, and uh, so we made the Strong Barbell Club, which is a section of that gym where I can work and train and and, uh, and work with athletes that are like-minded, and, and ultimately that's been a really incredible experience, and that's had its ups and downs, and, and I'm sure we'll get into gym talk here too. 
Um, my family growing up, my mom and dad, uh, Jan and John, like I said, super supportive, loved the heck out of me. Um, we obviously had our hard times like any other family, and we dealt with those and moved on. Uh, my parents are so great about taking problems and then moving on and moving past them. They've got incredibly thick skin. And uh, I'd like to think they gave me some of that uh, and the ability to move on and the ability to handle tough situations. Um, but I also think that, uh, that I came out with a really kind heart and, uh, and, and a sensitive guy. I was a sensitive kid growing up. I don't feel like I got tough until later in my life. And, uh, and I'm sure I'll talk about that. Um, growing up in sports, you know, so sports was the main source of confidence building for me as a kid. Super short and fat, um, five foot tall by five foot wide in sixth grade. I started playing tackle football. Uh, my dad was one of the coaches, and it was a sport I was finally good at. I had wrestled right before that, and I was terrible. <laughs> I was an awful wrestler, and if you knew me growing up, I was actually a pretty decent wrestler in high school and thought about doing that in college, but I was terrible when I first started. I was getting beat at novice tournaments, and I was really soft, and, and then I played football, and I got tougher, and then I wanted to lift weights. So I was 11 years old when I started playing football. I was 12 years old when I started lifting weights. And I know that's young, but what happened was uh, my parents took me up to the gym. It was called Popeyes in Topeka, Kansas. And I started working with a trainer named Kirk, and we got on machines. And in that gym, you had to be 14 to lift free weights. So I'm lifting on these machines. I'm pumping as much as I can. I'm probably going there three days a week or so. I worked with the trainer at first. And, uh, and so then I started doing it by myself. And I was there all the time. People knew me. There were local police officers and bodybuilders and firefighters and stuff in the gym. And, uh, and they were really cool to me. And they really uh, mentored me in some ways there. Then when I turned 14, they let me go into the free weights room. Okay, to give you an idea what this gym was like, it had two rooms that were kind of long and skinny, and then they had two pits down below. One of them had a cardio area, and then there's a wall in between the two, and the other one had a squatting area and a leg area, which, if you know me now, that's probably the area that I was in the most. And it was a really cool setup. It used to be a movie theater. My dad went on a date and saw Jaws there in the 70s when he was growing up. So I finally got to go into the room that had free weights, and my dad took me in there, him, the other guys in there, they all took me under their wing, taught me how to lift weights. Then, going into high school, the seniors on the football team and the juniors were so cool to me. They used to pick me up and take me to weights. I'd go there one, two times a day, as much as I possibly could, going into my freshman year of high school. And I got really strong really quick uh, for most people's standards. I think I entered high school with a 225 bench and a 400-pound uh, squat and... Uh, about a 225 pound hang clean. We didn't deadlift. I kind of wish we did. We also didn't really power clean. We did hang cleans. Um, so that's, that's just what was popular in football at the time. And it kind of still is um, for the most part, except mostly power clean. So then I worked out real hard all through high school. I was a gym rat. I proctored weightlifting class. I took weightlifting class. I did anything I could to be there more often because again, that was my source of confidence. I became a really confident kid in high school, at least, you know, it appeared that way. Um, wrestling, football, student government, band, anything I could get involved in, I got involved in. I was there every day, day and night. I was the homecoming king in my high school. Um, and uh, if Alicia Instrum ever listened to this, she, she was the queen. What's up, Alicia? Um, I had a really cool group of friends in high school that were just from all over the place and, and uh, different 
sport backgrounds and theater and band and orchestra and singing and and uh, and that really developed me at my high school to to get to know and like and and love all kinds of people and, and be around all kinds of people. Our football team was really good after I left, but while I was there, we weren't that awesome. I think I was the only player in my class that played in college, and then the class behind me had a ton of studs in it um, and took second in the state. So then I went to college at Benedictine College in uh, Atchison, Kansas, which is a small private college, and uh, I was real concerned with going to a place that felt like home, and that place felt like home to me. Um, I started there for three years and had a great experience. Um, I think people always ask this, so I'll just spout it off. When I left high school, I know I was squatting around 550 and uh, cleaning 315 and benching 395, I think it was. And then in college, shot up pretty quick. Freshman year, I think I was one of the stronger guys there and uh, got to travel with the varsity roster. And then uh, sophomore year, got to start. Sophomore, junior, and senior year, I played right guard like the deodorant. And uh, that's the only way I could get my mom to remember my position, so I made that up. Um, so anyway, college was great. I had great coaches that had been there forever. Coach Wilcox, Coach Murray or Murphy that uh, recruited me, um, the training staff. Everybody in college was awesome. The, I, I went to a Catholic school, and the monks were awesome. I uh, majored in theology and philosophy as a co-major. Um, at Benedictine College, I met a guy named Dr. Madden, who is a doctor in philosophy, and he was also a doctor in being a meathead. Dr. Madden taught me everything that I knew mentally about weights at that time. We ran 531. We ran Never Gymless from Moss Enemy. We were doing all kinds of stuff that just opened my mind. Kettlebell workouts from Pavel Sotsalin. And none of it was off limits. Everything that we could do to be strong or to be physical, um, Dr. Madden helped me with. We trained in his garage. We gave it a name, the Dumb Ox Gym. Um, Dr. Madden, I think he has seven kids now. And we would train at 4.30 in the morning, which my wife does now, so it doesn't seem that hard because I see her do it every day, um, and I couldn't do it. But uh, we trained at 4.30 in the morning, uh, four or five days a week, and then he would go inside and teach his kids social studies and stuff, and then his wife would teach him all day and homeschool him. So Dr. Madden was incredibly disciplined, and he taught me a lot about powerlifting and conditioning, and that was really where I got my start in thinking about strength. And so uh, we worked out together for a few years while I was living in Atchison and working at Benedictine after I graduated. I worked in the admission office for about four years and traveled as a recruiter for the school. So uh, I've always had the gift of gab and love to talk, and that was right up my alley. I loved working there for, for a guy named Pete and uh, working in that office, and I miss it all the time. It was a great job. Um, and I miss Atchison, too. It was a fun little town, and uh, it was a good place to live um, with some really, really good friends. So then I moved to Kansas City and started uh, working for um, the sales company I was in, and uh, we did high school sports fundraising. And in Kansas City, I was uh, training in my garage. I just made a garage gym. Uh, the Dumb Ox gym became Dumb Ox South, and I had uh, kind of accumulated equipment, and I trained in my garage a little bit. It's kind of tough to lift in your garage. I, I didn't particularly like it or get good at it or get consistent either. Um, because of that, um, I was coaching some high school wrestling, and I met some CrossFit coaches um, that were involved with that high school wrestling team. So I started doing CrossFit. And uh, I've lost weight significantly one time since I was 17 or 18 years old. And that was when I was, I think, 24, 25. I got down to 260 pounds and competed in a middleweight strongman one time. And then I kind of slowly ballooned back up. But other than that one year, I've pretty much been 300 pounds or more 
um, since I was 17, 18 years old. And, uh, and I'm not tall. I'm 5'10", 5'11". And uh, so definitely holding too much extra weight. Definitely always being a little bit undisciplined with my food. I come from a really big family, but it's no excuse. And uh, so CrossFit was tough for me. It was a challenge. And ultimately, though, uh, the community was great. But what I didn't like was I didn't like to be told I had to do, you know, jump over bar burpees when I wanted to deadlift. Okay, I didn't want to be told to do jump rope or run around the building when I wanted to squat. And we never really benched, but I got to overhead press, so that was cool. Um, so in CrossFit, they really encouraged me that I should try powerlifting. They thought I'd be good at it. Uh, I wanted to try Olympic weightlifting. I, I thought that maybe I could get good at that. I had a de- decent clean in college and in high school. Um, in college, I ended up squatting around 615. I think that's still the record there. And benching 455. And, uh, and clean and still right in the you know lower 300s. Um, so anyway... I had stopped doing CrossFit, and I started trying to Olympic lift. Well, ultimately, I wasn't flexible enough. I just simply couldn't do it. I was terrible at it. I tried, and I was absolutely terrible, and, uh, and I really respect people that can do that sport, that have the flexibility and the speed and explosiveness to do it. Um, so then they encouraged me to try powerlifting. So again, I went back to Dr. Madden and the Dumox Gym, and I went up to Nebraska, and uh, we did a mock meet in my friend's garage, in Andy Jager's garage. And I think I squatted 585, I deadlifted 550 or 585, and I benched 425, like a touch-and-go bench. And I hadn't really done any of that in months, uh, almost a year probably, and I had just retained a lot of strength and I was ready to get stronger. Um, coincidentally, about a week later, I was at a barber shop and I saw this big tatted-up guy that had... Tatted. I know people with tattoos love it when people say tats. So anyway, this big tattooed up guy, and he was getting a mohawk carved into his head with a straight blade. And uh, he was a bench-only guy from a gym in the area that I didn't know, and I introduced myself to him. And he said, well, if you're strong and you want to do powerlifting, you need to meet this guy named Ben Moore. Well, long story short, Ben and I started training together the next week. I did my first month, uh, my first meet a month later, and then that year I did four meets, and I was, I was just hooked. And sooner, sooner than later, I became a member of the gym Ben was at. I grew out of my garage gym. We started training together. Other people started coming in and training with us. Um, you know, Chad Tucker, Tom Mackey. These people started showing up and training with us. John Gerhold and Cassie Gerhold. And then the team started building. And then other good lifters wanted to be a part of the team. So all of a sudden, years later, we've got this big team of great lifters and people that are some of the best in the world and some of the smartest guys in lifting I've met. We're all in one gym. We all train together um, three to four times a week, and now I work there. So we put meets on. We host a couple meets a year in the USPA, and uh, we're hosting our first Strongman next month. We're going to host another one in March, and uh, we just have a great time doing what we're doing. We've got a great community set up, and, and really that's where my friends come from, and that's where um, you know my main source of community is. So powerlifting's been really huge for me, and uh And it's really grown and gotten bigger for me than I ever expected or experienced. And my first meet, everybody always asks, what what was your first total? And my first meet, it was with the ADFPF in Columbia, Missouri. And uh, it was sanctioned. And I squatted 650. I benched 420 or something like that. And I deadlifted uh, about 600, 585. I think I totaled like 1630. And uh, that was my first total. And I was hooked there. 
And then the next meet I did, I put 100 pounds on my squat because I was so new. I didn't know what I could do. And uh, then I tr started trying knee wraps, and I put a few pounds on my bench, a few pounds on my deadlift, and that just kept going and going and going for, for six years. So so that's my background in the sport, and that's kind of how I got to this point. Um, also, something that I think that people like to hear about is our team. Um, to get a little bit more in-depth, you know, our team meets on Sundays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. Um, you know, anybody on that team um, competes. They're all members of our gym. Some of them drive from 45 minutes away every, every week, a few times a week. Um, the team has been a really huge source of encouragement for me and friendship for my wife and I and our family. Um, we go to movies together. We have them over to our house for barbecues and 4th of July. Um, we do a lot together. We host our meets together. Um, you know, we've watched people get married and have kids and, and do all kinds of neat stuff uh, within the team that, that is just awesome. And, and so I love to talk about the team. So with team dynamics and, and the way they're organized, um, that's definitely a topic that we could get into on the podcast. Um, you know, not everybody's always happy <laughs> with how the team is running or, or happy with themselves, you know, me included. And so that all comes into play with the team dynamic and what happens all the time. And if there's people that are mad at each other, if, I mean, it's like its own little soap opera sometimes. But overall, it's a really insanely positive thing for me and for other people around it. Um, other things we'll get into. My job, working at the gym, I'll probably have funny stories. I'll probably have some things to say um, about people that I work with and, and great positive stories about clients or, or things I've experienced there. Um, you know, I'll definitely talk about the gym a lot. Um, I'll also probably get into talking about programming and meat directing. Um, all things that, that I definitely think that there could be more information about. I could learn more about just by sharing what I know. And, uh, and then getting response and feedback from you guys. I can talk to other programmers and meet directors and bring them on here and explore those topics. Um, you know, other things. People always ask, you know, about sponsorships and, and, and whatever else. Uh, you know, I was sponsored by a few smaller companies um, a little bit earlier on in my weightlifting. But the sport was really growing and I was kind of one of the higher totals. So I had worked with a few companies uh, that were smaller um, as they were growing when I was growing in the sport. And then at some point, I kind of stopped working with all of them, and I was really taking it seriously, and I was really kind of trying to cut out all the BS and, and everything that was going on around me. And I was really focused down on my lifting, and that's when I went to the U.S. Open and, and put together uh, the 23-64 um, total that I'm still trying to beat. And, uh, and that's when I started working with 8-Man Strong, and uh, they're out of Phoenix, Arizona. They're a couple brothers that are working in their grandpa's old warehouse where he built his business. And they're a great company, and they're great people. They make a solid product. They have really cool MMA fighters they sponsor and power lifters. And, and I'm psyched to be a part of that company. I'm just really glad and fortunate that they believe in me and throw me support and, uh, and that I get to help represent them. Um, I love working with that company, and they've been uh, with me for over two years now, about two and a half years. And then I also work with uh, Mark Bell Slingshot. Um, I've had some great experience with Mark Bell Slingshot from um, the first time I started working with them was right before that meet, the U.S. Open, and I started wearing their wraps. I really believed in those. I started using their other products, their knee sleeves, um, so I squatted 1,003 pounds in their wraps. I, uh, I definitely uh, used them for my, my wrist wraps and my knee sleeves, squatted 960 in their knee sleeves. Um, so just besides really liking their products, they're really cool people. Um, give you a snapshot of their company. Um, Mark Bell is the kind of guy that has put his company together 
and then he brings together people that love to train, that want to be in the gym, and, and then he builds them around him and gives them places to be leaders and, and tries to take their talents and, and give them a place to be successful with what they're already good at and then let them lift weights for free and, and then you know be a mentor in a million different ways. So I consider a lot of people over there really good friends. Um, if you guys dive into Mark Bell's slingshot a little bit, Mark's not the only great person involved there. Um, he's got Steven Granzella, Little Smokey, Jessica, uh, all kinds of people there in their office that are great, including Mark's wife, Andy. Um, I got to go out and do their podcast, which is a way a lot of you people might know me, if you don't know me personally, was to do Mark's podcast. And uh, that was really a trip of a lifetime. That was something that signified my change from working in sales to believing in myself enough to work in fitness. And, uh, and I feel like you got to practice what you preach in this profession. And so there's a lot of things I'm really having to work on being disciplined on to be a guy who practices what he preaches. And doing Mark's podcast was one of the biggest things to happen for me to start taking myself seriously and give myself the confidence I needed to start relaying this message to other people that I could be successful at this and I can help other people do it too. Um, so that was a huge confidence builder for me. So without Mark, I don't know that um, I would always have the confidence to do this and the confidence in myself to do it. I always treated powerlifting like it was a hobby, like it wasn't that important, like it's just lifting weights, it's no big deal. And I still say that, it's just lifting weights. And the reason I say that isn't because it's not important, because it's so important to me. But the reason it's important isn't because of lifting weights, it's because of community, because of fellowship, um, because of believing in yourself, because of getting stronger and being more prepared. Um, it's all those things, and being an example for my kids. Um, my kids love to come to the gym. I brought my son Jack to the gym, and if you look at my Instagram feed, I've got a one-minute-long video, and I had to cut it down to one minute. Jack tried to box jump on a 24-inch box for a good half hour. I mean, he failed probably 40, 45 times, um, but then he showed some resolve and I saw in him what I've had to do and what clients have had to do and teammates have had to do. And even at the age of six, he gets it. He wanted to be on that box. Why? I don't know. It was, it was a goal of his. At one point he lost sight of that goal and said, well, I want to go get on a treadmill cause it looks cool. And we have that, you know, one of those true form runners that's self-generated treadmill and he wanted to get on that. And I said, that's fine. You can get on that, but you got to try to do this first. So we went over to the stairs and he jumped onto the stairs. They're about eight inches tall. So he jumps onto the stairs. Easy. Does it for a set of five. I try to teach him the terminology. <laughs> then we go over to the bumper plates. Then I start stacking high temp bumper plates that are, you know, about that thick. And we get to stacking. And we probably got to eight, 18 inches tall to 22 inches tall. It was getting really close to that 24 inch box. But he had no idea. He wasn't scared of the plates like he was that box. So then I take him back over to the box, and he fails miserably. And I'm just thinking, gosh, please don't skin your shin and, and not ever want to do this again, you know. Uh, but I'm not really that afraid to let him get hurt or not taste success. I was very prepared to leave with him not jumping on that box and learning a very valuable lesson about hard work and things aren't just going to be handed to you. But I also wanted him to work hard and get it too. So no matter what happened, we were going to figure something out about Jack that day. And, uh, and this is literally, you know, three or four days ago. So then we go back over to the box and I took those high temp bumper plates, two of them that were maybe 10 pounds or 15 pounds, and I stacked them together. And after about two tries, gets up on the box. 
and he's psyched because he's on the box. He's not scared anymore. Then I take one plate away, and he fails. And then he gets up there, and he's psyched. He's back up on the box. Then I take the plate away, and he's on the turf and the box, and it's all 24 inches. And in his first try, he bends his knees, launches up, nails it, and jumps right on that freaking box. I couldn't have been more proud for him. I was recording, or else I would have probably been freaking out for him. And we get to share a big high five, and he puts his hands up in the air like this. Man, that was a valuable experience for him. And I, and I hope other people see that and don't give up or quit. And I hope his little brother's like him too. Um, so that's why I love this. And that's why, you know, now I've, I've turned the corner and I can see why you can make a living doing this and you can feel pure and whole, um, you know, exposing people to this and teaching them those life lessons and, and, and also while growing in them on your own. Um, sometimes it's hard to want to teach people things and you feel like you're just figuring it out. I always feel like I'm learning. I always feel like I'm just now figuring something out and I'm always hungry for it. And a lot of that comes from being around people that are hungry for it too. Um, a guy that coaches me, Mike Greeno, he's my, my smart guy. He's my Yoda. He's the guy that I go to who's been with great lifters himself for a long time and turned himself into a really good lifter. And, uh, and, and I like to bounce ideas off of people like him. And I like to bounce ideas off of Ryan Silva, who I work with. He's a trainer at our gym. And, and talk about a guy that's hungry for information. He will not stop researching things, even if it's things I hate. He won't stop researching it until he finds out. Um, these are guys that I'm going to have to have on here at some point. Um, people that are hungry for information. People are never satisfied. And I love being one of those people that's always trying to grow, do something different, find a new piece of equipment, change the way I run a powerlifting meet, expose my clients to a new modality, something that they need to learn um, that I see valuable for them. I love that about this. And, and that's what's caused me to turn the corner where I could really believe myself and that, that I can do this and that this is something that I want to do. Um, same thing goes with podcasting. I don't think anybody wants to listen to me. I mean, man, I love to talk, but that doesn't mean people love to hear me. Um, so a lot of people have said, start your own podcast, try this. And, and you know, I just have to believe that the people that I've surrounded myself with are great people and that, that there's something to that. And if there's anything that I can give any of you... Um, you know, I just really hope that this is a way that I can do that. Um, also, I want to talk a little bit about my goals. Um, I've got a lot of goals, and some of them are ones I've been talking about for 16, 15, 14 years um, that I've never gotten done. Um, I talked about losing weight earlier. Um, I've always been a heavier guy. My dad's a big guy. My mom wants to lose a few pounds, even though she's really cute. And uh, my family's big. Um, you know, I remember being big my whole life. I remember being, you know, a little kid that was a little boy that was 10 years old that was fat. And uh, my parents cooked great food. My mom's a great home cook. We didn't eat out a ton, but I always had an appetite. I always had big genetics. I was always a big kid. But with hard work, you can beat a lot of that. But I just haven't put in the work and consistency to lose weight and be in the shape that I want to be in that I've always desired to be in. You know, I've got an aesthetic that I want. Um, I've got, you know, an idea of what kind of athlete I still want to be at 34 years old. When I'm 35, I don't want to be the same. Um, you know, when I'm 35, I want to have hit another goal and I want to create new goals. So, uh, right now my goal is I want to be 300 pounds. Um, at the U S open, I was 396 pounds. I had a decent training cycle, a lot of pain, a lot of hip issues with my SI joint on my right side. 
Um, I developed some bicep issues or forearm issues on my right arm, but that didn't really affect me until after the U.S. Open. Um, but it got to that point where I was only able to train two days a week for the U.S. Open because my hip hurt so much. My, uh, my SI joint was killing me and my back was hurting. So only training two to three days a week was killing me and uh, killing my training. It killed my endurance. And then when I wanted to get more endurance, I was too fat to, have, uh, to be in good shape. And uh, it, it was really frustrating for me. Because I was really, really strong way before the U.S. Open, and I really wanted to perform well, and I didn't. I think I had a 23, I haven't even added up my total, it was like 23.18. And I know that's a big total, but it sucks for me to work hard for two years and not go forward. Um, and I feel like I could have done a way better job. Um, I was 396 pounds, and I was not in good shape. I wasn't in good enough shape to recover from my second squat. Um, that went pretty poorly, and take a third. Um, maybe that would have changed the outcome of the meet a little bit. Maybe I would have hit my third bench. Um, you know, my deadlift was really affected by what kind of shape I was in. And that was an ultimate slap in the face that I need to be better. Um, I've missed some accountability. Um, you know, people have always allowed me to be the big, fat, funny guy that's a strong guy. And, you know, you're not just fat, you're also super strong. It's not good enough for me anymore. I've got people around me that tell me the truth, like my wife and Ryan Silva and Mike Greeno and Derek Mead. People that are telling me the truth about how I am. Other guys around me that are big that are losing weight. Ben Moore got from 365 down to 290-some pounds. He's doing great and fixing his body. Jeff Frank went from 418 pounds, squatting 1,200-plus, to getting humble, getting small. Now we're about the same weight at 350, and we both desire to get down to 300 pounds. We just know that we could be as effective there as we are here, but we're gonna have to work hard. We're gonna have to fix our bodies. And in order to be healthy and feel better, I truly believe that I have to get down to that kind of weight in order to be more effective and to fix some of my injuries I've had and work on myself that way. Um, so as far as eating goes, I've been doing the vertical diet. Uh, Stan Efferding helped me out a lot with that. Um, you know, another contact through Mark Bell that he's helped me with. Uh, Mark will give you any resource that you can get. Um, to get better at anything, you know, it's like he's down in uh, Gold's Gym working with Mike O'Hearn and other people down there. I think he's with Stan right now, and it's because he's hungry to get better all the time, even though he's over 40 years old. He doesn't care. He just wants to get better, and uh, so what I'm trying to do to get better is uh, to lose the weight as I've gone from 396 down to 350. Um, you know, my day's pretty simple. I wake up, I eat eggs, 10 of them. <laughs> <laughs> or I make omelets. I've been making some real dynamite omelets, but you got to make sure they're within your plan when you make them. And then uh, for lunch, I have two lunches that are rice and steak and fat um, every day. And then for dinner, I have the same meal, except I replace the rice with veggies, so I can get some veggies in, and then that's a low-carb meal. And then before bed, if I've trained, then I have a three-scoop protein shake with two scoops of peanut butter. Um, you know, using that model and, and adjusting that a little over 4,000 calories has kept me feeling great, has uh, really made my body you know, feel a lot better, my back not hurt so bad as I'm trying to rehab my uh, SI joints. And uh, it, it's also allowed me to still have energy and, and try to stay strong. I don't know that I've lost that much strength lately. Um, you know, I'm still yoke walking in the 900s, I'm still log pressing in the 400s, and I still feel good. And I have plenty of time. You know, I don't have a timeline on this. I don't have a timeline on being strong. I've got years to do that. Um, I do want to lose this weight and keep it off pretty quick, but I want to do it the right way. So that's my first goal is I want to get down to 300 pounds. My first goal ended up was 330 pounds, but
But when I got down to 350, I realized looking at myself that that's not good enough. That's not hard enough. I got to get to 300. I'm not going to be happy unless I look the way I want to look and feel the way I want to feel. Um, so hopefully I look great. I feel great. And my blood work looks great. And my doctor checkup looks great when I weigh 300. Or else I'm going to have to start new goals, which I'm sure I will. Um, my other goals. I want to get better at strongman. I want to learn more. I need to get more equipment. I want to be a great meat host like I feel like I am with powerlifting. I want to do that with strongman. Um, as far as strongman goes, uh, you know, I'm proficient in the yoke and the log and a few other things. But my grip isn't great. My deadlift needs to get better. I need to practice that more. My leverages are changing. And uh, I also need to get better at stones. I don't really know the stones very well at all. And that's something we need to get in the gym that we're going to need to build. And, uh, and as I get better at things like that, I can get better at contests. Because those are going to be at a lot of contests. So what I'm looking for now is some contests to compete in. And use those as a springboard, hopefully, if I place well, to get to do some things. Like I would, I would love to compete. Um, an ultimate goal would be to compete at something like the Arnold or World's Strongest. But I just don't know if I'm that good at all. I mean, I've got the strength for it, but I need a lot more skill and a lot more different kinds of strength in order to be competitive there. Um, I wouldn't even. Mind, I would love to compete in the Arnold Amateur that's on the floor of the Arnold. Um, this last year, I got to do the Animal Cage. Um, the guys at Animal um, Natural Guy and J Dog, uh, they gave me a chance to squat at the Animal Cage. Rob Philippus was nice enough to let me squat with him, and we both squatted 925 for a double. And that was an amazing experience. And I also got to work in the slingshot booth and, and meet people and talk to people, take pictures with people, help them. And uh, I had a blast doing that. And so, you know, I've really been energized this year in this, uh, in this industry and, and really hopefully uh, am starting to, to build up a business that, that, you know, I can run for a long time and, uh, and be a great example to my kids with. Um, I would love to do the, uh, the animal cage again. I'd love to compete in strongman there at the Arnold, um, you know, maybe USS Nationals. I don't know. Um, there's a lot to figure out with strongman. There's a lot of places to compete, and it's something I'm really passionate about doing, and i got to figure out when and where I'm going to do it. Um, but I'm also trying to heal up in the process. Um, so I'm having to train around injuries, but I'm not going to stop. Um, the way my training looks right now is uh, I'm basically running some strongman training on the front end of my workouts. Um, that I do myself, and then Ryan Silva, who works with me, um, at Silva underscore SBC on Instagram. Ryan's a good coach, too, if anybody needs a coach. I think I'm a good coach, too, but Ryan's also awesome. And Ryan helps program. Uh, Ryan's competed in bodybuilding a few times, and he's helped can, can, uh, put in some bodybuilding and conditioning for me so that uh, after my strongman stuff's over, I can you know, do some powerlifting movements and then some bodybuilding movements and sets and rep schemes and, uh, and really feel good when I leave the gym. Like It's been productive to, to help me uh, condition my muscles and lose some weight. That's what I really need right now, and so that's what I'm trying to do. Um, so that's my goals right now. Um, I'm also working with some people, uh, Justin Canterbury and, uh, and my buddy Phil, and I'm trying to work with them um, and their clinic where I'm getting uh, PRP injections and stem cells. I just got my first round of injections yesterday in both of my SI joints and also in my forearm and my shoulder. Um, I don't have any issues with my shoulder, but when they're treating the bicep, they like to treat the top and bottom portion of it. Um, we've also done ozone therapy. Um, I can go more into all this later and get deep into the therapies, but basically I've got a muscle 
and a bone spur in my forearm that's really been giving me trouble. Um, it's, uh, it's definitely um, hindered my workouts and hindered a lot that has gone into those. So I hope that those therapies really start healing me. And part of this podcast I can use as a journal to let you guys know what's working for me because I'm trying everything. I try chiropractic, massage, um, I'm trying these therapies. I'll try anything to feel better um, and try to use science to our advantage. And as I try those and as I try to get better, I'm going to share those things with you because I hope those help you get better. As I share some of those therapies, my friends I played football with, they're messaging me saying, hey, my knee, hey, my shoulder. Um, I hope I can spread that and make other people feel better through what I'm going through and sharing those things and, and exposing that to people that, that, that follow me or around me day to day. Um, so that's a lot of my goals right now. Um, other goals in powerlifting in the future, I want to total 2,000 pounds till I'm 40. And, uh, you know, the meet that I really have my eyes set on that I want to do, um, there's some really great uh, promotion going on down in Australia. Um, Imad and Marcos down in Australia are putting on big dogs. They're putting on their third one this year. Their roster's incredible. I should be on that roster, but I just haven't had the life situations to be able to leave for two weeks and do it right and go down to Australia and put up a great total. Uh, I personally have had other goals like the U.S. Open, Reebok Record Breakers with Jesse Burdick, and some other things that I've wanted to do that just weren't that. And I just could not allocate the money to go there um, or put in the work to, to get together the money to go there. Um, they're doing an amazing job down there. They're helping lifters get there. Um, they're having great prize money. They put on one of the best shows in the world. Um, so in 2019, as I'm kind of, you know, weaning out of strongman training or hopefully qualifying for a cool event and getting ready to compete in it, I would love in 2019 to be able to dedicate, you know, a good solid 20 to 30 weeks to training for Big Dogs 4 in Australia in October, if that's when they have it again. And uh, so that's one of my next powerlifting goals. And I don't care what I weigh. I could be 300 pounds. I could be 310. I could be 290. But I'm going to be healthy. And, and that has to be a, uh, a focus of mine. And I've said that before, and I've failed before. I've failed over and over. But I'm not going to stop trying. I'm not going to stop having people hold me accountable in my life. They're great. And, uh, and that's what's really important to me right now. Um, so I hope that in this uh, podcast, I can learn from you. You can learn from me. I can share my stories of, of what I've gone through that's been kind of fun. And, uh, and I can share some experiences and, and some things that I'm learning that will help you learn too. Um, I really enjoy sharing my message and I really enjoy sharing um, what's been going on around me that I see as beneficial for myself and other people and I hope they can learn from. Uh, I'll leave you with this. Um, the people close to me and the people that have heard me on podcasts before might get tired of this and I don't care. I'm going to say it until I die. There's people in this world that are thermometers and there's people in this world that are thermostats. Uh, and to go, now that I have a, finally have a platform for it, I'm going to explain it for a couple minutes. And a thermometer measures temperature. You put a thermometer in a room and it goes up or down based on what the room's like. Does that make sense? I hope it does. So when you walk into a room full of negativity, you're negative too. When you walk into a room full of people that aren't working hard, you're not going to work hard either. Why would you? They're not. Then there's thermostats. And a thermostat on the wall, besides being annoying when it's 100 degrees outside in Kansas City and it reads 7 degrees over the temperature you have your house set at, a thermostat sets the temperature. No matter what room you go into or where you're a part of, if you install a thermostat, it sets the temperature. Now, the degrees might be a little off on what you set it. 
but it's trying its butt off to get the temperature set to where it wants to be. Sorry, I'm getting fired up. The thermostat sets the temperature and it brings everything around it up with it. The thermostat sets the temperature and brings everything up to its level, okay? Or down to its level. You can be a negative thermostat. That's bullcrap. Get yourself up higher. Thermostats and thermometers are out there, and I hope you're a thermostat. I hope I surround myself with thermostats and inspire other people to be one. Um, you know, some people joke with me and send me texts that say hashtag thermostat. That's fine, as long as you freaking believe in it, because I do. So there's thermometers and thermostats, and which one are you going to be today and tomorrow and for your wife and for your kids, for your parents, for your brothers and sisters, and the people that you train with? You can either be a positive influence or one that sucks. Try to be one that's positive. I'm really, really psyched that people uh, want to listen to me enough to tell me to do this. Um, this could be a terrible failure or a great success. I don't care. Um, I, I really am enjoying talking to you, and I really hope that you can get something out of that. So that's it for the first episode of The Prices. I, I hope you guys have a great day.